Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. The Around the League podcast is wary of shadowy league figures. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with a fair amount of heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. What a day it's been for, uh, for you, Dan, especially, but all of us. For me especially. What know. did I miss? I just, no. No, what a day. You know what? What a day indeed. So, first of all... Greg Rosenthal is downstairs. It is a special night. It is Sunday night of week 17. There's so many things going on, so many things in the air, including, especially including what's going on with Mark Sessler's Cleveland Browns. So Greg had to stay downstairs, so we're manning the ship. I am back from New York, and I got back just in time because right in front of me, Mark Sessler is wearing an extra-large number 15 official Tim Tebow jersey tucked into his jeans as per the terms of the bet uh, tied into the Week 16 Browns-Jets game, Mark, you're a man of your word. Congratulations. <laughs> you, uh, you put a clown suit on Mark. I didn't mean to. It was just a bet. You know, I, I would have been wearing a Whedon jersey, but Mark, thank you. Well, listen, and I, you know, I sit next to Wesling in the newsroom, and I see the look of jealousy in his eye. That I get to wear this for the first time ever. It was yours as a wedding gift. I had to pull the tag off of it. Yeah. It's, so it's not been getting a lot of use by you. It's not jealousy. It's pity. Poor Mark. He's fine with wearing the jersey. He looks good. He's got a nice dress shirt on underneath. He's really <laughs> pulling off the look contrary to expectations. But every sad sack in the building has to come up and ask him about it. Why are you wearing a Tim Tebow jersey? It has been slightly distracting. Um, and we're going to get into it because this on multiple levels is... And it's been a tough sledding for any Browns fans uh, over the last 30 years, but especially since 99. Today will go down as another dark factory of sadness type situation. And 
Mark, we're going to get into it, but let's start with the teams that, and don't take this the wrong way, that matter. Um, <laughs> let's go Let's go through first the AFC. The AFC schedule, playoff schedule was released. Um, we're going to mix it up a little, and NFC, excuse me, for the first two rounds of the playoffs. We're going to mix it up a little this week since all games were divisional. We're going to go through all of the AFC um, and then take a look at the playoffs. Then we'll go through the NFC. Let's start in Cincinnati where Andy Dalton threw for two touchdowns, ran for another, and set a pair of Bengals passing records. Bengals. Bengals. On Sunday, leading Cincinnati to a 34-17 win that eliminated the defending Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens. Um, Mark, the Ravens. Lost their last two games, finishing 8-8, eight and eight, and they become the 15th Super Bowl champion that failed to reach the playoffs the following season after winning a title and the sixth in the last 12 years. Tell me about this, Mark. Well, you, know, you mentioned that Dalton threw two touchdowns, but he also tossed four interceptions. And you know, this game, if anything, at home, Cincinnati is a rough deal for an opponent. And... To, to imagine that a team can ha- throw four interceptions and still win by 17 points, this is a com- more of a complete team than they were in the past two seasons. There's no question. They've got they, listen. Tyler Eifert wasn't on the field today. Neither was Jermaine Gresham. That's a huge chunk of the way that they move the ball as their tight ends. These guys don't have to play a Saturday morning playoff game for the first time in two years. Yes, the Bengals, after playing three of the past four years on Saturdays of Wild Card Weekend, they have the 105 p.m. Eastern uh, game, the Chargers at Bengals. That will be a CBS game. That's interesting. I just, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think Cincinnati's a team that's going to lose that playoff game at home. But Dalton, I mean, again, they found a way to win around him, but that's going to catch up to them, obviously. They're all grown up. They've Are graduated they? to Sundays. That's, That's big, awesome. Big, big, big. <laughs> no, this is uh, this is the most Bengals outcome possible. They win the game convincingly, and they still don't know if they have a quarterback. They, <laughs> they can win in the playoffs. Right. right. Marvin Lewis said uh, last week or a few days ago, look, um, Andy Dalton's going to get criticized until he wins a playoff game, and we know that. After the game today, reporters asked him about Andy Dalton. He immediately changed the subject to talk about the entire team. Andy Dalton is the elephant in the room. Four interceptions, and it's not just that he's throwing interceptions. They're awful throws, bad decisions. These are the worst kinds of interceptions and that he's throwing. He put a little on Jay Gruden, too, on a first and goal from the one. Apparently they had him throw a, throw, throw a pass that, that was picked off. If you if you know the guy, maybe he's not someone that you could trust at that level, give the ball to Gio Bernard, let him take care of business. It is a little bit of Gruden, and it's a little – you know, Dalton's done this before. He had picks on back-to-back drives. I remember a, a lost Browns-Bengals game earlier in the year, which since he won, but Dalton sabotaged them with these ugly throws. And you're right, it's on Dalton because his, his, his passes, his decisions are a mess. And let's just let's put the Ravens to rest. Um, this is a little surprising. At 8-6, and six, you would have thought that maybe they were the favorite and they ended up going 8-8. Eight and eight. It, just, it just didn't work out for them this year. Yeah, I mean Flacco did not look healthy last week. I, I didn't, I'd have to go watch more closely what happened today, but... Since his defense put heat on him, and he didn't look comfortable the entire time. Andrew Luck threw for 282 yards and one touchdown. Robert Mathis reclaimed the NFL sacks lead, and, the, and Adam Vinatieri joined the 2,000-point club Sunday as the Colts routed the Jacksonville Jaguars 30-10. to uh, The Colts, the AFC South champs, have now won three straight. That matches their longest streak of the season. Um, and now they move on to the playoffs where they will face the Kansas City Chiefs at home in the Saturday early game next week. Wes, let me ask you a question. I think 
that winning that game in Casey, and obviously I'm not going to put too much in routing the Jags, I'm starting to think that the Colts are no longer a complete afterthought and they can win a playoff game, perhaps be frisky in January. Thoughts? Yeah, I agree. This is they've turned their season around. They are they have an edge on other AFC teams in that they now have an identity. They've ditched that power running game and they are now a ball control offense based on the quarterback. Hmm. It's a short passing game. They the the rushing numbers look a little bit better because they ran with a huge lead in the fourth quarter, but they passed the entire game. T.Y. Hilton had career highs in receptions and receiving yards just after halftime. He <laughs> he they were throwing to him almost every time, and they controlled the ball, kept the ball out of their kept their defense off the field. Their defense is allowing less than ten points a game over the last three weeks. This is a different team. They've dominated. And this and so it took the Colts way too long to adjust out of Pep Hamilton's what he'd like to do. Is there any concern in your mind, though, that when they get into a tight spot in the playoffs, they're going to go revert back to what makes him comfortable? Or have they rethought the way they're going to approach teams from now on out? I think this is a legitimate metamorphosis. Like They've changed what they're doing. they changed who they are. I think they've realized they can't run the ball like they want to. And, you know, coaches are stubborn. They have these philosophies that they haven't come by by accident, but through many years of coaching, it takes longer to make a change than we thought. That's why, to me, the most fascinating story of the season was Ron Rivera's epiphany. Mm -hmm. To me, that just shows I love the open-mindedness to be willing to make a change. We have 32 games of Andrew Luck to look at now. Um, I'll throw it to you, Wes. What would you grade Luck's second season, regular season? You know, I I give it an A minus. Uh, I thought I thought his numbers would be a lot better, but I can't kill him for losing Dwayne Allen and Reggie Wayne and an offensive line that was supposed to be upgraded and didn't play any better than last season. Uh, you know, A minus might actually be not even generous enough. He really carried that team. At times, this looked like a three or four win team with him doing all the heavy lifting. I was impressed with him. I still think. If I was starting a franchise, I'd probably start with him. I mean, you plug an average guy into this, into quarterback on this team, they're 5-11. and 11. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins were eliminated from the scramble for the AFC's final wild card berth Sunday by the New York Jets, who thrived in the role of spoilers with a 27-win in Miami, eliminating handsome Hanks Dolphins, and also perhaps officially saving Rex Ryan's job, although... Um, it was there was there's been reports that it was already saved before the game. Doesn't matter. The Jets finished eight and eight. Woody Johnson came out after the game and said that Rex will be back in 2014. I yes, and it speaks to the to the minds and the hearts of Jets fans that I speak for many Jets fans when I say that we're really happy about how the season turned out and we're feeling really good and we're in a great mood today. But ultimately, it's 8-8, eight and eight, and it's three straight years without the playoffs. But bottom line, Ryan, was the, it was the right move to keep him, considering how much change there will be of other coaching staffs this season, what they would have been contending with, that Ryan had them playing hard. That was the right move to me. But let's look at the Dolphins. And here's another team, 8-6, and six, destiny in their hands, as much as destiny could be in any man's hands. Right, guys? <laughs> right, Chip Kelly figured that all out. And they fall on their face in a really gruesome way. I believe they were outscored 39-7 against the Bills and Jets to end the season at 500. 
I mean, what do we take from the Dolphins? And what does this mean for the their coach and their general manager? This was exactly why I didn't want to see them in the playoffs. It, they don't do anything well. They're not a bad team, but they don't do anything well. I think they've scored one touchdown in the last three games. This is not a team that's – they're not doing anything on offense. They're not doing anything on defense. I love Ryan Tannehill's progression this year. I think he doubled his touchdown total from la- from uh, his rookie season. Th- there are positive signs. They do have pass rushers on defense. But this isn't a team that strikes you in any way as distinctive. I don't know what they're going to build on. Well, and you just talked about the Colts as one of the few AFC teams on the lower rung of the playoff squads that have an identity. Miami – had zero identity against the Bills last week. And, you know, I thought, oh, listen. They the, also the way- had zero points. <laughs> exactly. They come out today, and they they look awful. And it's not all on Tannehill, but it's it's not been a good stretch for him. They were 8-6, and six, and we had a discussion that week about which coaches might be on the hot seat, which wouldn't. You have to look at the la- how much changed over the last two weeks, where now it's, you know what, what is this team's direction under Philbin? It's, it's been about as uninspiring as you can imagine. I can't kill Tannehill. He, his offensive line is is just depleted. Right. Uh, he lost Hartline during the game. Lost Dustin Keller early in the season. Lost Brandon Gibson, his slot receiver. He's lost a lot over the course of the season. And I think, as far as throwing the ball, he exceeded my expectations. He had a good year as a passer. Wes, I know you love either late Sunday night or getting up early Monday and watching game tape. I implore you to watch what Ryan Tannehill put together today because. In this game, he's the reason why the Dolphins are going to the playoffs. He had a at a seven seven nothing lead in the second quarter. D. Milner got burned by Mike Wallace. Wallace is wide open for an eighty yard touchdown. He badly overthrows him. I mean, he hits on that on that pass. It's fourteen nothing, and it's you know probably pretty much all she wrote. As it turns out, he doesn't hit on it. They punt. The Jets score, and it's seven seven. It's a new game. He was missing on throws all day. He was missing high, and I agree. And if you look at his numbers, twenty three touchdowns. 13 interceptions, he was better this season, and he still has a bright future to me. But that's a disheartening way to go down with him no-showing with the rest of the offense back-to-back weeks, right? That's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think you can you can definitely knock him for two things, his inconsistency and he holds the ball too long in the pocket. Um, real quick before we move on, Ireland Fieldman, in or out, Mark? I think it's going to be one and one. Hmm. Joe stays, Ireland goes. Ireland's kind of Teflon. I don't think he'll ever be fired. I'm with Mark. Ireland goes, Philbin stays. Hmm. Yeah. And then Philbin gets to enjoy what Rex went through this year, new GM, and he needs to prove Can we it. say one real quick thing about yes. Rex? Because yes, you can. what we talked about before the year was when you get strapped with Geno Smith or just rookie quarterback, an offense with no talent on it. I, this is Rex Ryan's best coaching job since he's been with the Jets because – what he did, he's he saved his own job, right? He really did, and I and I think it's good for New York that they're keeping him. It, it shows that Idzik isn't a complete automaton that decided this months ago. It played out as we thought in August when we talked about this. If they go eight and eight or even seven and nine, Rex deserves to keep his job. I wouldn't put too much into to uh, John Idzik's credit though. This could have been Woody driven still, which might really tell you where Idzik falls within. That's true. I mean, we grid. knew Woody was a Rex guy, but uh, I. I don't know. At least there doesn't seem to be an overt power struggle there. Agreed. Le'Veon Bell ran for 90 yards and a touchdown, and the Steelers kept their playoff hopes alive momentarily anyway by drubbing the lifeless Cleveland Browns 20-7. to uh, The Steelers, of course, 
were in line to grab that sixth seed, which would have been a huge upset and something none of us saw coming. Um, however, Chiefs kicker, and a game we'll get to a little later, Ryan Suckup, missed a 41-yard field goal that would have beat the Chargers. They end up losing that game. Chargers are in. Steelers dead. And let's get to Rob Chudzinski. Mark Sessler, it was reported by Ian Rappaport that he's been let go. He's been fired as the Browns coach after one season. And now they're starting over again. Uh, not good. No, it's. I mean, it's an epic disaster. You're looking at a team that is about to hire since 1999. It's seventh coach. It's had 20 starting quarterbacks, zero playoff wins. It's the. It's a recipe for uh, decades of anguish. But this this came out of left field. They just asked Ian on air. Scale of one to ten, how surprised are you with everything that you knew that we don't even know? He put it at a nine. And, and I, I, this is the one I, I said on the show two weeks ago. No, no, no. Listen, he's part of a long-term plan. Hey, uh, well, let, Yes, K. Rich? What's going on? Hey. Long time no talk. Hey, K. Rich. Long time, long time no talk. I heard Mark alluding to what he said two weeks ago, and I got a treat for you guys. That was actually last the week. The organization brought Chud in to not just blow it up one year later like they've done over and over and over. There's absolutely literally no – it's not being written about or discussed because – it's already known it won't happen this off season. There's just no question. Booyah. Yeah, well, I'm wrong. I mean, but that also is what this morning when we all got to work, that's how that was the narrative. That's right. how everyone felt. I, this didn't this, there were no hints of this happening. I, that wasn't a pylon move by me, but I, the reason we were talking about well, that Well, it was, but it was. <laughs> However, the reason why I asked Carrich to cut that was because I had brought it up in the podcast last week, isn't it a little weird that he was completely under the radar? They were a team that was slipping and sliding down the stretch, heading towards a four and twelve. Maybe we shouldn't have been so surprised. And maybe when we a couple of weeks back when we talked about coaches on the hot seat, we kind of we, we missed it by not including Chud because they were a team in a free fall at four and twelve, and that usually leads to someone getting canned. And that's exactly what happened. Why is it so shocking? Why is it so disgraceful to dump a guy when the team went in the tank that way? It's shocking because. It's lo- even te- even coaches going into a, a free fall, like you said, when they're the when they're in the first year of a new regime, bringing that guy in, it's still shocking that they didn't stay with him longer than one year. He was handpicked by this by Joe Banner and Michael Lombardi. Right in a season when you know, and listen, th- whether or not they won the Trent Richardson trade, it was clear they're rebuilding, and they they send their star offensive player away early in the year. They saddle Chud with a terrible group of quarterbacks. He's not picking the players. So it is surprising in the sense that should he be put on the hot seat in our eyes because he goes 4-12? and 12? Yes, but organizationally the message all along was we love this guy. This is the guy we picked. We didn't inherit him like Holmgren inherited Mangini. We're sticking with him. So, yes, it is surprising. It's not something that we should have seen 10 days ago when no one else saw it. First of all, this is all even more depressing talking to you. So I feel for you, Mark, because I'm I'm a part of a, a kind of a loser following the Jets, and you are the same way, but only worse because uh, what happens year after year with your franchise. It's even more depressing that you're wearing a Jets jersey while this is happening, <laughs> and that ties back to a Browns failure as well. It's like working on multiple levels right now. It's very meta. But let me ask you a question, and I'm being vaguely serious about this. How much more can you take? Come to the dark side, Mark. I think I <laughs> you think are you... a factory of sadness. 
you go one of two directions. You either get more and more angry and become more hostile and, and involved in it, or you become... Every, you know, I'm getting killed week to week because I'm emotionally dead whether Cleveland is winning <laughs> or losing games. And by the way, I kept telling Greg and you and the rest, they're going to lose this game, and yes, they would. I'm more in the move of emotionally dead. I can't drop them because it's it's too far As gone. As West did with the Bengals. But he did it at a different point in his life. It's like, I, I can't do that. But I'll tell you what, they have, and they're going to meet with reporters tomorrow, their brain trust. They've got a lot of explaining to do. And if this is the question... You're going to go bring in someone that's going to blow everyone away? They'd quickly forget about Chudinski, the fan base. But if you bring in Ken Wisenhunt, or you bring in some guy that has a lot of baggage and doesn't have a lot of belief in him to begin with, it's going to be tough sledding. If they bring in Lombardi's boy, Josh McDaniels, can we take a can of spray paint to your Tebow jersey since he'll be quarterbacking for the Browns anyway? Oh. He would be. <laughs> Would that? How was that from you? Yes, I thought I that just, was a sound bite. That how? Because <laughs> I just—it's almost too much for my brain to handle. That the day that you wore this Tebow jersey, Chud gets unexpectedly canned, and there is a chance—a actual chance—that the coach that replaces Chud could get Tebow and bring him to the Browns. Uh, yeah, listen, could happen. There's too many variables Duh! that make my head spin. My head hurts. It's like. Well, we're working. We just have to bang out the copy and follow the news. But when I had to get home, lie in bed, and ponder what happened in the last twelve hours, like I, none of it—it's all surreal. It's moved into the into the atmosphere at this point. All right, we'll, we'll move on for now. We're going to be talking Thank about you. this. Let's say a word about the Steelers. Go ahead, Wes. Uh, it's a shame that they're not in the playoffs. I couldn't agree more. They're playing better than any of the AFC uh, contenders for that sixth spot. Including the Chargers who are in the playoffs, but really have no right to be the way they showed up today. But go on. Steelers are 8-4 and four in their last 12 games. The only reason they're not in the playoffs, and this, there's nothing really they could have done about it. Le'Veon Bell had a foot injury. Heath Miller coming back from a knee injury. In September, they didn't have an offense. If they had the same offense now as they did then... It is a shame. They are. They look today fantastic. Le'Veon Bell can run. He looked as good today as he had all season. It's a shame because this team at eight and eight could give anyone in that conference a challenge. What if the Steelers did get in at eight and eight, and of course the Ravens did not? Would that mean the Steelers then would have lost their first round pick because of sideline gate? And may, and then oh, maybe it's that, better that they didn't get in. I don't think there's any first round picks involved. I think there was only late round picks. I think the whole pick, the sideline gate, eh, they're just keeping, they were trying to keep Tomlin hemmed in about the situation, right? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Mark, if you ever, if you want to jump in with more Chud venting, the stage is yours, but l just know that Let's we have. Let's move on. There are, you know, listen, there are 12 teams that made the playoffs. Yes, we will. And we, there's plenty of podcasts that talk about the Browns. Chris Johnson ran for 127 yards and a touchdown in what might be and what really almost definitely will be his final game with the Titans, who beat the Houston Texans 16-10 on Sunday. Really not too much to get into with this game, but I will say this. That's 14 straight losses for the Texans, which is just hilarious. And uh, that wraps up. They have the number one pick in next, next May's draft in which – uh, they'll almost certainly take a quarterback, right, Wes? Yeah, I think you have to. They don't have a quarterback on their roster. They're not going to go with Case Keenum. Matt Schaub is probably out of Houston. They need a quarterback. It's funny. Someone tweeted at me uh, today, and this was, this is not on McNair uh, for saying this, but he sent me an old link to an article that was 
uh, Bob McNair explaining why he passed on pursuing Peyton Manning in free agency, and it's because uh, Matt Schaub was coming back from his list Frank injury. He was 100%. He has a great arm, and they were set at quarterback, and they didn't need to look in another direction. They could fortify their roster elsewhere, <laughs> and that did not quite work out. Whoops. LeGarrette Blunt ran for a career-high 189 yards. What? And then two touchdowns and had two long kickoff returns. What? As the New England Patriots clinched a first-round AFC bye with a 34-20 win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Uh, the Patriots are 12-4. and As if we ever doubted the Patriots would somehow get to that 12-4 and mark and get that bye. They do it every year. And if Greg was here, I would I would kind of... Uh, get upset and and just moan at how things never change, but let you know what with Greg not being here, let's just keep it between the three of us and K Rich behind the glass and the audience. Well, great job by the Patriots this year. Yeah, I'll tell you what concerns me about New England spinning this forward is, and Greg made a good point. They are greater than the sum of their parts because you've got Legarrette Blount, for instance, is the mark of this team. This guy that no one wanted in Tampa traded him for a track star that ended up doing nothing. And he's running over people. But the defense, big issues. Thad Lewis throwing for 8.5 yards per attempt today. The same thing happened in New England last week. I do, I, I'm concerned about this team going into the playoffs. Yeah, they've done well. I, they've had as many injuries as anyone. To key players and to end up 12-4 and four is, is almost miraculous. Mm. They've done so well. Uh, but defense, they, they keep winning while they're giving up career games to opponents. I could, I don't know. Like I, I have no confidence in Andy Dalton succeeding in the playoffs unless he goes to New England and plays a, a passing defense that gets worse by the week. Mark, you say you're concerned about the Patriots, but aren't they on some level? I know with the Patriots, it's almost like the Yankees during their postseason run where they're always expected if you don't win the Super Bowl, it's considered failure. But isn't it kind of house money? No one's going to get too down on them if they get knocked out this year considering all the guys are missing and uh, how great Denver is this season. You know, if they win a playoff game and get knocked out uh, in the AFC Championship game, that would kind of be a success. You know, I think it's probably a good thing that you aren't uh, part of New England's front office with that attitude because (laughs) they don't think that way at all. And one of the reasons they're twelve and four, despite all the disaster, uh, other clubs would be six and six and ten after what happened in New England. They are that well coached, and whenever you've got Tom Brady running the show. I think they have to be thinking Super Bowl. They wouldn't. They didn't come this far to think anything less. It would be a disappointment. I agree with Dan. If I was a fan, and they lost, I, I agree with it. It's house money. After everything that's happened to them this year, I think it's unreasonable to expect a Super Bowl. If they get there, that's great. But if you're a Patriots fan, uh, twelve and four is in a completely emotionless experience, and it really the season really starts now, right? Kind of yes, and I and I will bring up the analogy again because I am a Yankees fan, so I do understand how Patriots fans think. This is like the Yankees during their great run of '96 to 2011 uh, or 2012, excuse me. Where yes, they were going to win 95 to 100 games every year, and while that was an achievement, that really meant nothing. So it's all about the postseason, and that there comes with there's a certain burden that comes with that. And even as underdogs this year, they'll get heat if they lose. I feel for that fan base. I bet you do. Two things. Uh, this is the eighth buy in Belichick's 14 seasons as coach. And for the Bills, they missed the playoffs for the 14th straight year, the Oof. league's longest streak. And one last thing. The Patriots will play the late game, this primetime game, Saturday, January 11th of division round weekend. 
Uh, Mark and I were at a bar, the Cozy Inn, two years ago, the last time the Patriots played on a Saturday night. That is, and this will be a callback to earlier in the podcast, the death of Tebow Mania. That was the blowout of the Broncos a week after that Steelers uh, miracle. Ooh, that was ugly. Moving forward. Peyton Manning set the NFL single-season yards record and threw four touchdown passes to clinch the top seed in the AFC playoffs for the Denver Broncos with a 34-14 victory Sunday over the Oakland Raiders. Uh, oh my, Peyton Manning, jeez. One half is all he needed, two quarters, uh, to get the yardage record, uh, 54-77, eclipsing Drew Brees' 2011 record by one yard, and also to throw four more touchdowns to get up to 55 on the season. Um, and, oh, by the way, the Broncos clinched the number one seed in the AFC, and they are the uh, they have home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. Hey, Mark, you want to know how to get Dan really hacked off? Yeah. What's hacked off, by the way? Just cheesed off. You're a little mad. You're upset. What's, what's off? hacked off? We keep cheesed on going off. further into the vortex. <laughs> Your ire of has been Cincinnati. raised. Okay, I know that one. Go ahead. <laughs> your dander has been raised. <laughs> right. Something sticks in your crawl. Okay. Okay, I like that one. Uh, ask Dan, who's in the conversation with Peyton Manning for MVP? Dan, who's in the uh, conversation uh, for MVP? You know, I was on. I I can't say who it was on Twitter today. Because it was someone within the NFL media umbrella. And if I were to attack said individual, a large shadowy league figure would come down upon me with his iron fists. So I won't. However, I will say this. Someone tweeted today that Matt Forte deserves to be in the MVP conversation because he's had a great year. And yes, Matt Forte has had a very nice season. But there is no conversation for the MVP. And you know why? Why? I'll tell you why. Here are Peyton Manning's final statistics for the 2013 regular season. 450 of 659 passing. That's 68.3%. 5,477 yards. Record. That's a record. 55 touchdown passes. Record. Just 10 interceptions. A 115.1 passer rating. This is a line that may never be topped. And I know things always, records always get broken. But this will always stand as one of the greatest, if not the greatest season ever, by a quarterback for the number one seed in the AFC. This is the biggest slam dunk MVP that I could ever remember. The last time I saw an end-of-season stat line like that was 1993, me playing Super Tech Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is it, Montana? I think it was Jim Kelly. Oh, Jim Kelly was a great Tecmo ball player. Yes. These Broncos playing at a level, they're listen, whatever they, a few bumps in the road earlier in the year. Can they be stopped in the AFC West? Sure. By who? Anybody can have an off day. They don't have a defense. That's they, true. You just saw them against the Oakland Raiders. Who knows? <laughs> the Broncos play the late game on Sunday, January 12th, of the divisional playoffs, of course, at Mile High. And um, last year they had the early game Saturday, and Raheem Moore already requested, I got a text, not to go any further into that game. But they have the late game on Sunday, and yes, Manning and the Col and the Broncos, amazing season, but kind of like the Patriots, but even more so, Manning has to get to the Super Bowl last, this year, or it's going to be seen as a failure. Well, this is not house money for Denver right, on any level. Not. This was a two- or three-year project with Manning, and you've got to get it done. I agree. This is 
totally – this is opposite of the Patriots. You've got to do it this year. The San Diego Chargers ended their three-playoff drought with a 27-24 overtime victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, to advance as the number six seed in the playoffs. Uh, this was a game that, listen, plenty of credit to the Chargers, who won four straight games. They were five and seven and dead. Uh, but they also needed two things. They they needed the, the Chiefs sat 20 of 22 starters, including their entire defense. Chargers are playing at home. And this game is over, and the Steelers are in the playoffs if the Chiefs kicker hits 41-yard field goal. To the Chargers' credit, they wiped out a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter before that suck-up miss, and then they won it in overtime. So you give them credit, and winning four in a row, including a road win in Denver to keep their hopes alive, they deserve it. But this is they got very lucky. Wow. I mean, they got losses from the Dolphins and the Ravens, and a very lucky win today, and now they're in the postseason. You're a lot more generous than I am. Credit? <laughs> credit? <laughs> they, need, they got a missed field goal by one inch. To save them from losing a game at home to a team benching 20 of 22 starters. Mm -hmm. They'll get no credit from me. And one of the starters, ironically, was the guy that missed the kick. So it's, uh, you know, you couldn't get more lucky than the Chargers. Who was the other one, the punter? I guess it was. It had to be, right? (laughs) Chase Daniel played pretty well. Yes, he did. Making the leap candidate. Quarterback controversy? (laughs) But, yeah, that. uh, even though I'm happy to see uh, Phillip Rivers and his big swinging bolo in the playoffs, I've kind of lost any excitement for the Chargers as a January football team after watching how they performed at home today. I'm kind of shocked that they won the game because it's such a classic San Diego meltdown. They will be playing Sunday, 105 p.m. Eastern at Cincinnati. Uh, two games, that, two teams that nobody's really going to believe in. Somebody's going to have to win. So, In a rematch of the coldest game in NFL history. Oh, give me some history. It was, uh, I don't know, it was 82, I think, maybe. Uh, Chargers come in, the Dan Fouts, Kellen Winslow, uh, Wes Chandler, Charlie Joyner Chargers, Air Coriel, lighting up the scoreboard. Chargers spent half the day with their hands in their pockets, those front pockets on those jerseys Bengals, in the 80s. Bengals hmm. offensive line comes out sleeveless for a game that was minus 37 wind chill. Back when Wes actually paid some amount of attention to the Bengals as a fan. I was in love with the Bengals. They broke my heart. Just to go over it again, Chiefs at Colts next Saturday at 435, and then Chargers at Bengals Sunday at 105 Eastern, all times Eastern. And let's move to the NFC now. We'll start in Atlanta where Cam Newton threw two touchdown passes. Greg Hardy, Kraken, had a team record four sacks, and the Carolina Panthers clinched the NFC South title by beating the Atlanta Falcons 21-20 on Sunday. The Panthers clinched a first-round bye and home field advantage for at least one game, and they are the number two seed in the NFC. The team of around the league this year, Wes, how confident do you feel going into the dance? Not very. Uh, it's, it's their offense. I love the way the defense is playing. They will keep them in almost every game they play. Without Steve Smith, and this, this was big to get him back. We don't know if he'll be back or not or what condition he'll be in. Jonathan Stewart, we don't know when he'll be back. They're just not moving the ball. Um, they have one of the worst re- wide receiver cores in the NFL. Cam Newton was sailing passes all over the stadium today. I think Greg said it best. When your third and long play is a quarterback draw, you've got some major issues on offense. I still like Carolina's chance. Let's assume that Seattle wins its first playoff game. I, I still like Carolina's chance better than the Saints or another team you want to throw that to go into Seattle and with that defense – 
put some heat on Russell Wilson. There's no question in my mind right now the 49ers are a better team than the Panthers. Well, they're more complete team, that's for sure. Yes. Aaron Rodgers fired a 48-yard touchdown pass to Randall Cobb in the final minute, and the Green Bay Packers beat the Chicago Bears 33-28 to capture the NFC North Championship. Uh, this was Rodgers back after missing seven games with a broken left collarbone. Found a wide-open Reggie Cobb on fourth and eight at the 48 to wipe out a one-point deficit with 38 seconds left. This was, I will say, in my opinion, the number one moment in the NFL media newsroom all year. When you hit that pass, everybody kind of kind of blew the roof off the place. It was only one of four times I got out of my chair all year. The <laughs> other time being about ten minutes earlier when Ryan Suckup missed the field goal. Wow, double terror. I, I was hopping all over the newsroom today. Who wants to deal with Green Bay in the playoffs? I mean, it doesn't matter what the record is going in. I mean, suddenly you had Rodgers hitting Cobb on this huge... These are the guys they didn't have all this time. How about the onions on Aaron Rodgers? He hits a, a fourth down conversion to Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson. And then with a the game on the line, fourth and eight, he he gets away from the rush by some time. Hits Cobb in stride. Game over. Onions, my friends. It's going to be a tough matchup against the 49ers. Very tough matchup. And one thing that would concern me if I was the Packers, beyond their defense, which has been pretty poor, Eddie Lacy wasn't cutting like Eddie Lacy cuts. Mm. He couldn't put weight on that ankle. He wasn't the same player. James Starks actually looked better than Lacy today. Mm. That's an issue. I don't think we're going to see Kaepernick go run for almost 200 yards this time. Though. No, neither do I. Yeah, that I mean that was a game that was Kaepernick's true coming out moment where all of a sudden all bets are off as to what that guy could be. He hasn't been although he's gotten better as the season progressed, I don't see him all of a sudden becoming that phenomenon again. So I think this will be a closer game, but ultimately the Green Bay defense has let them down in back to back playoff years. I'm still a little suspect that they'll be able to little get the suspect. Stops. Well it's, defense yeah. just isn't very good. A little shameless promotional plug, Brian Baldinger uh, NFL Media's own, not the guy that sent that tweet earlier today, will be breaking down Green Bay's final drive in his Drive of the Week. And you can see that on NFL.com this Tuesday. Uh, should we do some type of postmortem on the Bears? Because this is a devastating loss. And there's a picture that everyone's going to see. If you didn't see it already tonight, tomorrow, Brandon Marshall face down on the Soldier Field turf, just stunned. Uh, all in front of them, another team with, where they had it all in front of them. They lose back-to-back -back weeks. And in heartbreaking fashion to a big rival. I just wonder, are we gonna? Was this Cutler's last game? He played pretty well today. I we can't blame him for that loss. My gut feeling is the Bears franchise tag Cutler and then trade him. I think they have so much work on defense to do. They they need bodies all over that defense. They need whatever assets they can get in the form of draft picks, and they need the salary cap space. Cutler will take probably seventeen to eighteen million a year. You can sign. You can re-sign McCown for three, four million, and then draft a first-round guy, and then fix your defense. That's kind of where I think they're headed. Mm. Darrell Jernigan caught a 24-yard touchdown pass and ran 49 yards for another score to lead the New York Giants to a 20-6 victory over the Washington Redskins on Sunday in what might be and probably will be Mike Shanahan's final game as the Redskins coach. Don't need to say much about this game, right? Well, it was a nice parting gift for Mike Shanahan to sabotage Kirk Cousins' trade value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much for the uh, narrative that Kirk Cousins was going to use these final three games against a soft schedule to create 
a horrendous um, quarterback controversy, and maybe it's for the best because it, we would have had to deal with that for the entire offseason. I mean, the one thing is that a year ago Shanahan was edging back into genius territory, and uh, doesn't look like a genius today. The Redskins ended the season on an eight-game losing streak, and they are the number two pick in the NFL draft. However, that goes to the Rams to handsome general manager Les Snead. So guess what? RG3, as if there wasn't enough pressure on him to get right, get healthy, and be the guy he was as a rookie, now that trade is even amplified even further of him having to be that guy. He'll return with a furious vengeance in 2014. I like that. You know, so while the Lions are dead and gone, and they'll probably have a new coach potentially uh, going forward, it's always fun to get Kevin Patra, the ATL Chicago correspondent, on the line. So why don't we do that? Kevin Patra, are you there from Chicago? Kevin Patra, coming at you. What's up, Kev? How's it going, fellas? How are you? How cold is it where you are right now? It's freezing. There's ice everywhere. Why does anyone live there? I got sunburned yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Rookie Cordell Patterson scored two more touchdowns, including the go-ahead catch in the end zone in the the fourth quarter, and the Minnesota Vikings beat the Detroit Lions 14-13 on Sunday in the final game at the Metrodome after 32 seasons. Just a minor aside, I don't need to hear anything about the Metrodome. I went to the (laughs) Metrodome with my buddy Greg, who was a Vikings fan back in 2006 for a Jets game. That place is a dump. No one really has any connections with it except for maybe Kirby Puckett fans. It's gone. It's over. It's over for the Metrodome. Anyway, so the Vikings and Lions both out of the playoffs. Um, Patrick, season's over. You're happy it's over, I assume. I'm thrilled. Just how I dreamed it up. <laughs> Close loss. Everything looking like crap. Oh, it was beautiful. Beautiful. But here's the good news. Reggie Bush, the greatest running back to ever live. The Reggie Bush hype train rolled straight past 1,000 yards for the second time. He did, and Joyce Bell, first RB tandem to go 500 and 500 together in the same season. They have shown promise, although they only they only combined for 63 yards on the ground today. That's one of the uh, lamest stats I've ever heard. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I will let me ask. First time ever NFL history record book. Hey, Joyce Bell has is in the record books. How about that one? Congratulations <laughs> on your seven and nine team with two 500 yard receiving running backs. I love the lines right now. Receiving by the way, and running rushing. Um, you had. Uh, you had Mikel LaShore who came out uh, this week <laughs> and said, I just want to eat. Uh, whoever will feed me the rock is where I want to be. All right, bro. Good job with that. And then you also had Matthew Stafford this week uh, was asked about having some type of QB guru to maybe fix his woeful mechanics. He's like, I'm good. No, I'm good. I don't, I don't, I'm good with that. Zero determination to improve. I mean, if I'm Kevin Patrick, I'm feeling great about that, the future. That, that, that His whole um, personality toward all – he did it earlier in the year with not wanting to have a team meeting. It's just nonchalant, and that is kind of frustrating, to be honest with you. And I think that's one reason they need to bring in a new coaching staff to kind of light a fire under him. Well, the answer, I mean, he, he, the answer to all of your problems can't be flipping your hat backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little do you know. <laughs> I do it every day. It answers every question. Uh, Kevin, we will be in touch with you throughout the uh, postseason and then into the offseason. We will break down how the Lions will finally get to the Super Bowl. But uh, we're going to move on from now, not not against you, but against the Lions and the Vikings, who we don't respect at this stage. You shouldn't. <laughs> All right, man, we'll talk to you. Thanks a lot, fellas. That was a shot at Stafford, not at Patra. 
Only game featuring two teams that probably or most definitely will fire their head coach. Correct. Let's move on. Phil Dawson kicked a 40-yard field goal as the game ended to lift the San Francisco 49ers to a 23-20 victory over the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. That locks in the Niners as the NFC's number five playoff seed. From my perspective, and I, you know, it's silly or whatever, but I've never seen a team that was this good have to work this hard to get to the playoffs. Like uh, every other team, look at the Steelers almost made the freaking playoffs this year. The Niners had to go 12 and four, and they and they had to earn every one of those wins. But they're in the dance, and they're a player. They're the hottest team in the NFL right now. They've won six games in a row. The offense, you wouldn't even recognize them from early in the year. They've, Kaepernick has gone over a 108 passer rating in five of the past six games. That's sublime. This is the game of next weekend to me. San Francisco 49ers at Green Bay Packers, 4.40 p.m. Eastern on Fox, the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman special. I really like this game. And, you know, I think we talked about it a little earlier about Kaepernick, what he's going to bring. But, you know, there's no reason to think that the Niners can't beat any of these teams in the NFC in their building. They, they're just built for this type of football. They've shown it the last two years. I mean, are they? Where do you guys? Where do you rank the Niners right now in terms of power rankings for NFC? If they played on a neutral field, I would have them even with the Seahawks. Yeah, see, that's the issue for me is that if they're going to deal with Seattle, it's going to be in Seattle. That's such a game changer. But you know, Wes is right. You you look at the whole conference and. Man, what more does San Francisco need to do at this point to not be as under the radar as they are? I'm sure they'd love it because, honestly, all the attention's heaped on Seattle and actually Carolina at this point. And the Niners, you're right, they struggled to get here, and they're much more balanced than they were two months ago. Totally different team. They're a Vernon Davis concussion against the Panthers and an Ahmad Brooks penalty call against the Saints away from being 14-2. and two. And one quick postmortem on the Cardinals, 10-6 and six this year. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good season in a very tough division. One thing I'd say is I think at midseason, we all kind of figured they'd be among the teams looking for a quarterback in the first round of the draft. I think Carson Palmer's done enough in the second half of the season that they'll be comfortable with him starting next year. I mean, I think they're going to get one, but they don't have to start a guy right away. Right. What an impressive job Bruce Arians did. I'd still call him coach of the year, potentially. Malcolm Smith returned an interception, 37 yards for a touchdown. Marshawn Lynch added a two-yard scoring run. The Seattle Seahawks clinched the NFC West title and home field advantage throughout the playoffs with a 27-9 win over the St. Louis Rams. Um, Seattle matches its franchise record for wins in a season, and they get that number one seed after failing in their previous two weeks to lock it down. As Tony Kornheiser would say, I believe I had this one. Seahawks win by three touchdowns. You got it. Kellen Clemens throws a pick six. Come on. (laughs) You're very excited, Wes. I like when you get excited. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, that minor hiccup last week aside, I I still view Seattle as the big favorite to win this whole thing, and and I I view the NFC as it's going to be tough. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks, they play the early game Saturday, January 11th, uh, against the lowest remaining seed in the NFC. That's how these things work. Am correct. I, correct? Um, I like their chances to get out of this conference. but Do you knows? have any concerns over their passing game? Percy Harvin isn't walking through that door. No. In fact, I'm seeing reports that he could be heading towards IR uh, any time now. Yeah, I, they've went through these funks where the offense looks really bad, and that is something to watch out for. But I just I get the feeling that they'll turn it on in the playoffs. I feel confident, feel confident with my... Prediction still that the Seahawks will romp at MetLife Stadium February 2nd. 
if that's the date of the Super Bowl. General game. No, I think you nailed that. Boom. Groundhog Day. Circling the bases. Grand slam. Drew Brees passed for four touchdowns and ran for another score. And the New Orleans Saints clinched a wild card spot with a 42-17 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. The Saints will head to Philadelphia to play the Eagles on Saturday night at 8.10 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Uh, guys, we know that the Saints are a team that's great at home, but they're not going to be at home in the playoffs. Are we taking them seriously You have to take them seriously. It's not like the Eagles have a shutdown defense. But Drew Brees had his highest passer rating of the season today, the fourth highest of his career. And my takeaway was it's it's essentially meaningless. They've mm. averaged 34 points per game at home and 18 on the road. They're a different team on the road. That's an issue. Although the Eagles didn't win at home for months to start the season, but this is a this is one of the more fascinating matchups of the of next week's action. I can't wait to see what happens here, but I could never rule out the Saints with Breeze at the helm. Uh, especially as Wes said against a defense that is still discovering who they are, I think. Yeah. Who do you think will be favored in this game? You got to you've got to give it to the Eagles That's at home. What I think the in Eagles. The playoffs? I think the Whoa, wait a second. Seduction Sunday. Oh, we have to congratulate. <laughs> I can't Crystal. believe it took us this long. It was a terrible job by us. Yeah. Cambridge behind the glass, a huge Eagles fan. Eagles all the way. Congratulations, Garage. Thank you. What are I, your thoughts? I appreciate that. Well, you know, I feel like everyone after this game, they're like, can the Eagles really keep up with the Saints? But this is my thing. In our division, these games are always like this. It's always underwhelming, more so than what you expect. We expected this game to be really good. But when we step out of the NFC East, our games, we put on shows. So I'm looking forward to this Saints matchup. Well, yeah, I mean – there's no reason why we would ever write the the Saints off against the Eagles because, with all due respect, hey, Rich, I don't think anybody thinks the Eagles are a great team. They have capability to the capability to be great in spots, but look what they did their last home game last Sunday night against Chicago. They just blew the doors off. So, I don't know, you wonder if the Saints' defense will be up to the challenge of playing in that spot. They remind me of Denver in one aspect, not personnel-wise, but the ability when they get hot to just dump 21 points on you in a quick amount of time and close opponents out if they get hot they really they that's why they're a total wild card bizarre team to me heading into the playoffs Philadelphia my sense is the Saints will actually be the consensus pick to win this game we shall see going against you guys i like that see i like that's heat that's an example of heat Wes asked, what is heat in the last podcast? Right. Well, he's I was learning through life experience is what it is now. <laughs> I hope it's becoming more clear than the AD scale is to me. Well, yeah, I, yeah but the AD scale to you, I mean, you, this is – I got nothing. By the way, the boss, the one guy in this room – not in the room, but in our, on our team that picked the Eagles way back when to win this division. Well, let's talk about the Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles went into Dallas – facing a Cowboys team without Tony Romo, and they got the job done. A 24-22 win. Uh, they got the big stop, the big stop on the two-point conversion at the end of the game. And then, and this is where it gets a little weird. They get The Cowboys get a stop, get the ball back. First down for the Cowboys. They have to go about 60 yards to get in the field goal range. First pass, intercepted. Orton intercepted, game over. And it really makes you think, first of all, you know, there's no Romo to blame for that pick. 
Uh, it feels like there's ghost, ghosts in that building for the Cowboys, which you don't want ghosts in your home building that just opened, ever. Not a good, not a good fit. I, I think they're just not a, a really very good football team. Yeah. And listen, Orton played, he did a solid job tonight. Threw for the second most passing yards that the Cowboys have had in the game this year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he played, and you could hear it in Chris, it was funny, you could li- Chris Collinsworth was actively rooting for Orton. I think he saw him as an underdog character, and he kind of got behind him. And you could hear in, in Collinsworth's voice after that interception because he knew that he, that Orton had just thrown away all that he achieved in that game with that bad pass, threw it behind his receiver, game over. And, you know, Hort, Orton also made the wrong read on the two-point conversion try. He, he looked like he had Witten open as that might have been the better read instead of firing it towards uh, Des Bryant, who's covered. But on balance, you got a really good start out of Orton. And to the Cowboys' credit, they at least showed up in this game. But uh, ultimately, the Eagles were the better team, and they won the game. Yeah, we, we you want to see the better teams get into the playoffs, and that's what's happened here. But secondly, I, I hope that we don't spend the next uh, five, six months in the offseason hoisting up a completely average product that's come out of Dallas for years on end. This is the quintessential average team with an average coach that cannot get it done. They're sloppy. I do not want to see this team put on six more nationally televised games next year. It gets under my skin. Oh, you're going to get it, though. Yeah, yeah guess what? <laughs> I know that. But, that's, but, again, it's the one team, no matter how they do, we just put them up there. We crown them. This They're is, a completely mediocre football this team. This is where I disagree with you, Mark, because the, we have the, a fundamental. What's their record? It's, they're 8-8. Eight and eight. But they they weekly and they did it again tonight. They play exciting, fun football games to watch. They get great ratings, and that's what NBC wants. That's what the primetime audience is looking for: competitive games with popular teams. That's why the Cowboys are there. And I will say one thing: Jerry Jones in the box. We've seen it so many years now. The Jerry Jones disappointment face. This was the Jerry Jones raging anger, where he actually came up out of his seat, stormed away from his seat, and you could see him shouting in the box, I, is Jason Garrett going to survive this? Yes, I think he will, actually. Really? We'll see. I, I guess they've invested so much money in him that maybe he does, but I don't... He hasn't earned it. He I, hasn't. And wait, my argument is that they're average. They're 8-8 eight and eight for the third straight season under Garrett. <laughs> I understand that you find them entertaining on television. I don't wait, disagree. Don't? With, I don't disagree with that, but right. I'm calling them... I'm saying that they are average... And they are a 500 team for the third straight year. I don't know this to be a fact, but they seem to lose an inordinate number of games through clock failures, bad play hmm. calling down the stretch. Every time there's a close game, it seems like they're on the losing That's end. That's right. The GM's job, safe or in danger? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's basically he's in good shape. infallible. <laughs> All right, that does it for tonight's podcast. We will be back on Tuesday. Mark, guess what? What, Dan? We have, during January, throughout the postseason, we will have different days. I, I guess one day, Tuesday. We're going to do Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday pod. Wait, I like that. Wait, Thursday's different, <laughs> too. Thursday's different, too. You're all thrown out of whack. <laughs> all right. So the podcast is Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday through January, which means we will be back on Tuesday. And that gives us, Mark, an entire new platform to talk about the Browns. Look, I don't think we need to spend another second on that. You team. are a factory of sadness. Mark is going to go through the glass and attack K. Rich, but you know what? I'm, I'm taking I'm K. Sorry. Rich. I'm taking K. Rich in this. 
She seems like she'd be feisty. And I'm just going to go home to my house, and I'm going to cry. <laughs> I feel like K-Rich K- might know karate. I might. I might just. You know, I do not want to fight her in a physical or mental battle. <laughs> I just, I don't, I'm staying clear of K-Rich. Well, you're running on fumes. You've been awake and working for 20 hours now. I know, Mark. Just go home. Let's That's see. what we do in week 17. It's true. We grind. We're all machines. Uh, and, Mark, congratulations. This is the conclusion of... Uh, both of our fourth seasons at the NFL regular season. Well, right back at you, Dan. Historic. <laughs> That's stupid. Who cares? All right, we'll be back on Tuesday. Signing off, this is Dan Hansis for the mailman, the sizzler, uh, the boss, you know, in spirit. Kevin Patrick coming at you. K. Rich behind the glass. Until Tuesday. deserve to treat yourself so turn your tax refund into a u-fund and give yourself a straight talk wireless extended silver unlimited plan and get a new samsung galaxy a14 on them you can get a great everyday value on wireless with straight talks unlimited plan starting at 25 dollars a line per month for four lines you'll save so much you'll be enjoying that refund all year long it's the refund that keeps on refunding find straight talk at straighttalk.com or at your local walmart store Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you one at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander.